This is Keep It Simple, a weekly discussion of significant issues regarding the Word of God and His people. Our host is Pastor Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena, and the Simple Truths Radio Ministries. Good day and welcome to Keep It Simple, weekly internet talk show, the Simple Truths Radio Network. Pastor Xavier Reese, Pastor X, how are we doing today? Good, Tony. Good. Amen. Looking forward to the program. Amen. To discuss some things in the world and our, our educational system and all. Yeah, going to be nice. good. With us today, our production engineer, Jonathan Duran. Welcome everyone to the show. This is episode 254 on Tuesday, October 25th, 2022. Pastor Sam Tirado is with us over there, helping with video. And we have a couple of special guests today. Uh, oh, I'm not special. <laughs> this man is special. No, you're special. Don't be so <laughs> Pastor Fernando Gonzalez, who uh, is supposed to be the children's ministry pastor, but he does everything. And uh, we're grateful for his efforts and thankful he could take time to be us. Also, our brother Justin Riggs, who is here with us today. Justin is a husband, father, public school teacher, uh, important part of the ministry here at Calvary Pasadena. We're grateful for his efforts and, and his family, his boys and his wife. Thank you. Uh, regular contributor to our broadcast here. How are you doing today? Excited. Are you? Amen. I, as you mentioned, Pastor X, we're seeing some radical scenarios unfolding in public education. And, you know, I understand that it's kind of the nature of the media, this is where we get our information from, to be sensational and inflammatory. Uh, but I have to tell you, I, I'm personally, I'm really concerned about the direction of public education in the U.S. and in Los Angeles County and California. Is that reasonable? Should I be concerned? Sure. Well, we've seen the very progressive um, takeover of all authority and um, powers, if you will, away from the parents. Um, it didn't start this way. But yet, you know, again, you want to draw a line um, um, beginning all last century from the 1900s on. The, um, the attempt to remove every vestige of Christianity out of public square mm -hmm. was a goal by a group that met together. And their goal was to get clubs or groups within the universities and all campuses. And of course, their name changed throughout the last century. But by the time the New Deal came out, they were all in positions of power yeah. to influence and to uh, alter uh, Dewey, uh, progressive educator, moving away from the biblical model, believe in God and all that. So it isn't something that has happened just bam, all of a sudden. It's been very progressive, just like, um, like uh, yeast, leaven. You know, you need a little bit and it just, it, it takes over the whole lump. Amen. And, uh, and we've seen that and certainly we are at, um, at a very critical time in our nation because um, what's at stake right now is um, they've become so emboldened that uh, they're trying to just do away complete with the First Amendment, our freedom of speech and to gather, yeah. to assemble. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's really what's at the heart of it because they, they don't want nobody opposing them or questioning them. In other words, they, they don't mind dialogue as long as it's only one-sided. Yeah. Well, and the reason for that, one of, I mean, is the fact that all the facts are not necessarily on their side, and so right. it makes it very awkward for them. number of different issues that we find unsettling, hopefully we can work our way around to some of them during the hour. The one particular thing I wanted to start off with is uh, concerning the issue, I really believe this kind of undermines uh, the ethics and the foundation of public education, and I'll just throw it out there to you guys, 
and I, unfortunately I realize it's terrible generalization, but it appears that there's a concerted effort by groups in education, school boards, um, actually the uh, Department of Education on the federal level, uh, state education officials, uh, local school boards, and even by some individual teachers to move parents out of the loop from what's going on in the classroom or to intentionally deceive parents concerning activities that are going on in the classroom. And to me, that, that's terrifying because, I mean, it, it, I mean, is this just a conspiracy theory or is this really a thing that we should be concerned about? What do you think, Justin? Well, I can speak for my own district. I was thinking about this the other day. And I'm going to use kind of a strange example. Like if you go to Jamba Juice, you go to Starbucks, you go to places, they're going to put their best foot forward, right? Mm -hmm. So they're not going to tell you we're having management issues. I can't get someone to do this. And I think um, that's exactly what's going to happen with the public education. But an additional dynamic is you have a different squeaky wheels and you have different components. So certain wheels will squeak more and they get attention, right? And as I mentioned to you before we started, we have usually a teacher's union we have the teachers, we have the parents, and if uh, and administration, if any of those people get too much power, it's slanted. So in certain districts where those are balanced and people are communicating, um, which I know a superintendent who is a Christian and he is trying to run a, a district uh, in the Southern California area, and he comes to me, Justin, he says, this is unusual because I get along with the union, they get along with me, the parents, we're working together, and he's getting phone calls from other superintendents that are quitting because the stuff they're dealing with um, they just can't handle anymore. So do you think his situation is unusual? Is that an anomaly? For sure, for okay. sure. But I also think um, if it's a public education, that public should include Christian, non-Christian. And I think okay. the popular view is the public school is a secular place. And it's become more and more secular. But if it's a public education, then the Christian and the non-Christian need to have a place to exist. Mm -hmm. um, and But the levers of power... Like LA Unified, big district, it is Biggest a bureaucratic country. monster, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it can't even feasibly meet the needs of all of its minorities. But a smaller district can ebb and flow. And I think part of the problem is we need smaller districts. If I think we privatize everything, people can pay for it. We have some system where churches can be involved in the process again. Not going to happen though in yeah. California. But um, the deeper we go in, as I'll share later, it's interesting to see how Christians can work in that environment and how God can use Christians Amen. in a powerful way. And we can still acknowledge at the end of the day, it's broken. Fernando, if I have questions about uh, the school district where my kids go to school, and I feel like there are issues there that they're not being straightforward with me about, what can I do? That's a good question. I usually bounce it off of uh, some of the folks that serve here in ministry because they're in public education. Mm -hmm. um, we've had circumstances in, in my own life where uh, we want to address some of those concerns. And uh, it's interesting because, you know, oh, you need to email me. Okay, I'll email you and don't get a response. And then a response comes later when I confront that principal personally. And he says, oh, I never got your email. And come to find, and he calls me up a few days later. He says, yeah, I found your emails in my spam mail. Yeah. You know, it's, it seems like the, this onion has got many layers and it, it gets buried in bureaucracy. So I think, you know, obviously, uh, I think it's best to actually go and, and address a principal personally. Mm -hmm. For my, mm -hmm. I'm, where my experience has been, I've gone in and, and uh, spoken to them one-on-one. -on -one. 
and uh, you know air my grievances and then they we go back and forth and some things are met out but um unfortunately i think it's it's they're under a burden themselves like sure like justin is saying there are things that they're 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 bound to there are things that they're struggling with and you could tell you know just talking to them they're 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 handcuffed to certain things mm -hmm. and um it's just uh it seems like the culture today has been the problem. So let me let me break it down to go to the weeds. So basically the way it works is the principals are shackled by the contract. Mm -hmm. And so principals do not have tenure. They can be fired at any time. And they're beholden not only to the contract, but to the people up above them. Mm -hmm. So it's nearly an impossible job. And then they're paid a little bit more than I'm paid. So you're trying to recruit people to go into a nearly impossible situation. Case in point, I have a new principal we're short-staffed. Every day she's trying to figure out who can I put to fill in because we can't get enough subs. Mm -hmm. Then the union rep comes into the room with some valid concerns, starts talking her ear off, and then she gets a call, which this happened at our school, from the district, now you need to make new combos. Two weeks after school starts, you have to take your classes, turn them upside down, okay? So you're asking someone who's a professional who is, for the most part, like I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. They, they love kids. They care yeah. about kids. Yeah they usually have kids of their own. Mm -hmm. To be a principal is a 24 hour, you know, 365 yeah. job. And the problems you deal with, kind of like Pastor X, these are intense questions that they haven't been able to answer. They're coming to you or the judge, right? Um, and if you understand that, then this is the advice I give parents. Go to the teacher first, give the teacher an opportunity. Because mm -hmm. what happens with me is I have a strong personality, they'll go to someone else when I could have solved their problem. Now, if the teacher blows you off or doesn't help you, yeah. then you go to the principal you have no option. and understand that that principal is working 100, 100 miles an hour for the most part. Now, you can have exceptions. Then if that doesn't happen, then okay, maybe I go to the district, but some parents will go straight to the district. They'll go, and so what happens is you get the squeaky wheel syndrome. Everyone feels that their squeak is the most right. important and the principal's running around and you want people to work with you. For sure. You don't want to put pressure on people. You want them to be able to work with you. Pastor X, I know when your kids were in school, you were you and your wife were very involved in education. You spent yeah. time and energy engaging with the people at their schools to see yeah. that things were conducted in the best possible way. Yeah. How important is it for Christian parents to do that? Very much so. I mean, um, I mean, it's a long time. Um, we're talking about the 70s, early 80s when my kids were in school. Yeah. So um, the, um, the control and the push for all the uh, academic classes that they want, that they think they're important, but they're really not, they're indoctrination, yeah. was very low on the scale, but it was coming. And so there were some classes that we, um, we walked in and asked that they be removed from that class. And, uh, and at first they said, you can't do that. I said, y y yes, yes, I can, I'm the parent. <laughs> You work for me, by the way, and I'll remove my child whenever I want. Yeah. Okay. Amen. Now they will oppose you, but the um, the law and the Constitution still says that the parent is the ultimate decider for their children. Mm -hmm. That's the law that's still in the books. Okay. But most so people far. get blown away by the pressure, mm -hmm. by the political rhetoric, and everything. And so parents have to be involved in every aspect of it. If your child goes to public school, you need to know what they're being taught. Again, yeah. as we've said here, that there are some districts that are really good. 
There's some schools that run real good. In spite of the humanistic push, this and that, there's a balance with uh, concerned parents and there's a willingness to work with the uh, parents by the teacher and, and, and the principal and, and things work good and they get good results. They get high marks and all that. But that's not the rule. Yeah. And uh, as we move forward and we have moved forward, it gets less and less and less. Um, there's more indoctrination in our public school education than education. They need to go back to the three R's. They'll never do that. Writing, reading, arithmetic. Simple. Okay. These kids can, can't, even, uh, can't even fill out a job application when they graduate. They can't even read. Yeah. It's just it's an insult to the taxpayer and an atrocious crime to the parents. You know, it's funny that um, you know, I'm, I'm listening to all of you and talk to Justin all the time. We have mm -hmm. these conversations, mm -hmm. and uh, he's certainly um, in the machine. Um, you know, my kids, I won't say where they work, but um, there's what they call first jobbers, people who are um, minors who they need, and they often call. And they need a, a mental day off. <laughs> that, that's the state of where our kids are today. Mm -hmm. You know, rather than push through work hard, you know, produce an ethic, uh, they're allowed to, well, I don't feel like working today, I think I'm gonna take a mental day off. And that has bled into schools, Ridiculous, right? Yeah. And besides all the other stuff, I mean, I'm sure we're gonna touch on this in a few moments, but just thinking about that and look at our kids and, and what we're looking at as a culture and what we're producing, and they're just entitled. They're, they've been equipped to think this way and Unfortunately, their future is going to be bleak if it, if it continues the way it's going. Yeah. You know what's the, the most difficult part of my job? Um, it, those things are related, but like in my school, I think for most part, elementary schools are trying to do reading, writing, and math. Mm -hmm. And my district provided, I think, more resources than I can choose from. Books, workbooks, websites, things like that. It's each child brings in their parents' expectations on education. Mm -hmm. I have people that come from Nepal. I have people that come... And how it's many, not always. Children, yeah. I have thirty-five of the most students of the whole whole school. Thirty-five. So thirty-five oh. students in one room teaching fourth grade. So, by and large, the immigrants that come first generation, they come in and they see this as an opportunity. And, and not to be a broad brush, but there are people that have been here so long. I'll have conversations where um, a parent tells a kid that homework's not important, and it's not always by skin color or by culture. Uh, you'd be surprised. But the one dynamic that helps the child succeed in COVID and public school is a parent that says, this is important, you're gonna do the best you can, and if there's a problem, I'm gonna mm -hmm. talk to the parent. If we could just get parents to pay a little bit more attention, and then if we get teachers to innovate a little bit, respond to the parents, and then the administration, like this is all, these are all dominoes, right? But we have, more and more behavior problems, kids coming in that I think from when they were born, they were on a device or playing video games and they, they brought to kindergarten and they don't know how to behave. Yeah. So you yeah. have even the greatest Christian church, uh, teacher has five or six kids that don't know how to use a restroom, throwing chairs, don't know right from wrong. That teacher, as well-meaning as she is, or he is, is gonna go into survival mode. Mm -hmm. So that when you come and talk to the teacher. They, they can't teach. No, they yeah. and they they will exactly. do their best. You'd be amazed at what they do. But if you took a few minutes and go, 
how are you doing? Talk to that teacher. Most of those teachers have kids of their own. Mm -hmm. They're also struggling. And then if, if they know that you're not attacking them, the, the, the wall comes down and then they, they'll have a conversation. I'd say 99% of teachers are, they want to do what's right, but mm -hmm. they are just, they're trying to survive as the wheels start coming off of the machine. Yeah. 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 We need to, we need to pray for teachers. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yeah. And again, that's the breakdown, the spiritual, the problem of, of our, the world, let alone our nation, is spiritual. Right. Amen. Because people have moved away from God. That's right. And a belief in God. And so our nation has become immoral, literally an amoral society now. Mm -hmm. uh, no ethics. And so children don't obey parents, they're not taught, they're not disciplined, they're not uh, taught social graces, nothing. And so they, they grow up like little animals. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And they don't know how to conduct themselves. Um, growing up, I was born in Mexico City, I was growing up, um, all my dad had to do was just look at me. Hmm. That's it. I was somewhere and he just looked. <laughs> you got the message, you know? Today, there's no consequences. So when, when you remove consequences, you destroy all authority. Amen. And I'm not talking about beating somebody. No. I'm, not th I'm talking about consequences where if, if two adults are talking and that child interrupts, you stop and you reprove that child. You say, do not interrupt me while I'm talking. Wait till we're done. Mm -hmm. Simple. Yeah. That doesn't happen in society. No. Children are allowed to have the authority over adults. It's been turned upside down. Yeah. And that's the problem. And so you can't get things done. That it starts in the home. In the home, the children run the home. Yeah. In many, many homes. They're, they're, they, they disrespect their parents. They do what they want. You know, so it has to carry over to the school society. And this may be, I mean, because parents really have no clue of what to do. But fortunately for us, you know, we got we got the book. Right. We got direction. We right. have wisdom. Yeah. You got the spirit of God. And some parents do. In my classroom, I had a conversation yesterday, parent-teacher conference, with a family. Mom tells me I can't spank my child because of my in-laws. Okay. Now, she's a bright girl wants to do, but she pushes over the edge. So we talked about well, you can you can have her do something that's you know menial, moving this to that. You and your husband get together and go. Okay, that's off the table, but. Here's the deal, she needs to know. And that was a great conversation. Another family, Child Protective Services came in and maybe for not the right reason, she's dealing with all the follow, taking husband's not helping. So you have broken family, broken family, great family. And I have a lot of really on par parents that are doing the right thing. And I need those kids in a sense, we call them buffer kids because we move them around the classroom to help the other kids learn how to behave. And if Amen. we lose too many of those kids, um, that's what we'll get. And how do, you, how do you help the kid that's reading at a kindergarten level in the fourth grade and the kid that's reading at a fifth grade? Right. So you have an impossible task which God specializes in. Amen. But all the levers are not godly levers, right? <laughs> so. It's funny, I was sharing with Tony, uh, I was watching um, a segment on Clarence Thomas. It's a documentary. Yeah. It's in his words, and he's recounting it when he was a kid. And he's with his mom. They moved from a squalor to just a, a bad place. I mean, they said it was a livable, but then they went to this place where it was a tenement. Everyone shared one outhouse. And he says, it just stunk all the time. He says, when they flushed, it went out into the yard. 
Wow. And it was a channel. He remembers all these things. And then his, he would uh, have to walk to school by himself with his brother. I mean, just the two of them. And they were cold. They were always, oh, they were always hungry. His mom was a maid. So it was just his mom. And so they knew they were starting to get in trouble. Mom calls her parents, his grandparents, and says, hey, I need your help. Yeah, send them. They go to this house. He, said, he says, it was a brand new home. They laughed when they saw a flushing toilet. Hmm. They, would, they would intentionally flush the toilet because <laughs> the, the sheer, I mean, the, the joy of knowing <laughs> there's running water, there's, there's food in the fridge. Yeah. But he remembers a conversation with his grandfather. They sat down and his grandfather says, all right, boys, there's some rules in this house. The vacation is over. Mm. We work from sun up to sundown. It's biblical. Right. Wow. Yeah. Set the tone. Yeah. Right. Well, I was telling Tony, we started watching Uncle Tom, too. Talks about what in slavery when it was, you know, abolished and the, the two-parent families and the role of, of, of faith in that community. And then fast forward to messages that different communities and cultures keep. Mm -hmm. The scriptures, I can do th all things through Christ who strengthens me, that, that's always true. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a single mom, whether you have a flushing toilet or not, whether mm -hmm. you're in public school or private school, mm -hmm. and as more and more people don't know that truth, they just so, operate in whatever they think yeah. is right. Yeah. And then a teacher comes in and tries to help. And it's just really neat. I'd love if I can spend the time, maybe as we talk today, what happened from the beginning of the school year when we had the nightmare said, pray for me. Yes, I remember that. And how God provided a Christian aid and the child that was the most difficult is giving me hugs. Mm, I'm going to wow. cry. I'm going to cry. Um, how he, the mom, single mom, is connecting and still have a parent thinks I'm too stern, have a parent thinks I'm too easy. How do you meet everybody's needs, right? Yeah. So it, you please the Lord. Exactly. <laughs> do your best. Yeah. There are two or three different issues I'd like to really focus on uh, in, during our time. And the first one I think would, is very important for us to just address is the issue of race. And maybe we could take a moment and just address how this has developed in our culture over the last 10, 15 years. We all grew up in a situation where we believed the prominent issue with race was that people in any culture should be colorblind, should be, that race should not be the issue, that the character of the individual should be the thing that determines our interaction with any person that we deal with. It should never be predicated on what, what kind of culture they came from, what their skin color is, or any other ex externals that are really not significant for what a person is. Is that the situation that we see promoted in our country today? <laughs> You're the floor. Well, <laughs> let me tell you a story, because I thought about this. Um, I grew up in Simi Valley, California, mm -hmm. Reagan land now, lots of retired police officers. And when I went to UC San Diego, I was invited to what was called an OASIS program, because on my application, my mom was technically Spanish, Mexican. I was white. I couldn't decide what to do. I had a friend that said, I'm not, taking, I'm not doing any of that race stuff. But I, I, I clicked the box, Mexican. My, my grandfather got, gets his uh, menudo in, in, in uh, Pico Rivera. Okay? So I knew my in-laws looked different than me. So I, I go to UC San Diego, and I spend four weeks where they, they teach me about underrepresented communities. You would probably call it the beginning of CRT, right? Um, and I think part of it is a, there's a noble core is let's help these people that have struggled. Mm -hmm. I met some friends, but 
it, I wasn't a Christian, it flipped me upside down. So I, I walk into the university and I feel this, it's kind of the beginning of the white guilt. Like, why do I deserve all this, all these bad, so I get involved in cultural societies. I am a member, I was marching on Price Center. I met my wife, um, some good people connected. And then fast forward a couple years, I start asking questions, I become a Christian and I realize that Yes, at its core, you're trying to help people, but you're using lies sure, and you're I mean, twisting, sure. okay? And um, with that, I think the people at the top know what they're doing. The sure. masses don't, because they they're, know the they're hurting, they're, they're in pain. I think with the BLM people, yeah, there's some people in pain. They've had issues with police officers. Sure. I had, and this was interesting, first day of school, a, a student in my class gets lost, okay? Mm. Uh, black, a girl, and... Um, Worst nightmare you'd have as a teacher. We find her, she goes home early, everything was dissolved. The family says, um, I would never let them walk home in this community. And for me, I was like, I would never have thought that. Now I have black friends, I don't know what it's like to be black, mm -hmm. um, but how do you operate with a sensitivity to race and culture, but mm -hmm. not enslaved by a, an ideology. So I've been through it. I've seen what it's like to be fed that and then be saved by the truth of the gospel and know it's based on what I'm doing, yeah. not what I look like. Yeah. But. but the whole the whole educational system, the media, uh, mm -hmm. the political system has taken the excuse of pointing out the minorities as an excuse that they're going to help them Right. And in reality, they're using them to pit one against the other. Divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. So they know Explore. exactly what they're doing. Yes. And so, you know, uh, and, and what makes it more difficult is that everybody's playing by their own rules. Mm -hmm. See, when you play baseball, there's an infield and outfield. There's a pitcher, there's a catcher. Right. There's three strikes, four balls, and nine innings. Everybody understands the rules. So everybody plays a good game. In society, it used to be like that. Mm -hmm. Everybody has their own rules for their own baseball game. And they all think they're right. That's what happens when you go from an objective truth society, now globalism, to subjectivism. And the, those on top, um, the predators, major predators, mm -hmm. Schwab, Fauci, many others, they know what they're doing when they pit people to destroy them. They manipulate them. Yeah. They could care less. You stop and think about what they did in COVID as, they, uh, as everybody attempted to believe and they subjected themselves to the great lie of the virus and this deadly poison. Everybody obeyed. Mm -hmm. distance, isolation, all of that, when in fact the rules on the top, even doctors knew that that was the wrong thing to do. Yeah. They did it purposely. They didn't care that all of a sudden, a certain day in March of 2020, they dropped every student in the United States in their own home while their parents have to work. Mm -hmm. They didn't care about the inconvenience about the, the destruction of that year, the graduations, the people that died in hospitals without ever seeing their loved ones, when they're, they're, nothing would have happened to the person who would walk in. All lies. 
These people have no compassion, no empathy. They are total predators. And with the same thought in mind, is any level of hypersensitivity to race going to rectify the iniquities of the past? No. no. There, but but no. Who's, who's talking about race? Yeah. Who are the people? Yeah. Right? Who are these yeah. people? You know, you have BLM, all these people who, who have enriched themselves, and they have not helped their own communities. No. So they've been exploited. Yeah. You know, yeah. and when I think of race, when I think of the church, unfortunately there are churches out there who've been woke, mm -hmm. and they're part of the problem too, not just universities. Yeah. You know, and, and of course they're trying to be sensitive to certain groups because, of course, they don't want to be viewed a certain way. Well, they should just be teaching the scripture. We're one blood. There's, there's no such thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But everything breaks down. Simple everything principle. breaks down. We were talking about employment and that. Yeah. And Fernando was talking about his kids, you know, and where they work. And, and yeah. then the kids are call, calling for a mental day. When I work, I work for Prano Marcus. That's yeah. how the, the uh, Gene Pemberton and, and uh, I forget the other guy's name. They were living here in San Marino. Joe Cologne. Yeah, Joe Cologne. They opened up the Prano Marcus. And then from there came Trader Joe's. Okay? Um, I would, if I called them, I need a mental day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have been fired. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Like, like the parents say, you know, my, my kid needs some time out. Time out when I grew up was when they knocked you out and then you woke up. Okay? So, He's exaggerating. There, there's a whole different day, all right? So now I'm not saying you knock your kid out. No. But what right, I'm right, saying right. is the rules have changed and the authority has changed. And it's for destruction, not for edification or for building up. And so we're living in a very chaotic world. Now, as Christians, we understand this because it's sin nature. Yes. The non-believer will never accept that. They don't. Mm. So we, we, we have the benefit that we can see a two-way street. We've been there. Now we're here. So we can make a good bridge in the sense that we know absolute truth, and we also know the absolute lie that's being passed off as truth, and we can ask God for wisdom to work within that because we want to help people. Right, uh, right. Whether it's in education, whatever it is, and the whole goal, we want to present Christ Jesus to them that they might come to Christ so they can see a real world. But really, before all of this stuff, um, the 70s, there was no black and white. Everybody got along in the United States in the 70s and, and 80s like anything else. The people were so loaded and everything else, it didn't matter, okay? <laughs> but... It wasn't until the politicians, the educators, grabbed a hold of that division and began to that. And for in the early 70s, when I went to Cal State LA, affirmative action came in. Yeah. Okay, so then it was 1% black or Mexican, or, or and then in the 70, mid 70s, 80s, 1% homosexual. And all, of course, that percentage always gets pushed more. But So then your, your, your admittance or your candidacy for a job or the giving of a job is no longer on your ability yeah. to be able to perform that job, but it's your minority status to throw you crumbs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And it's completely evil, absolutely evil on their side. And that's really but that's the, the world we live in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and, and just, just to, to another perspective is I've had some relatives that they look down on people in the 70s, 80s. You know, sure. hate is hate, right? Sure, it's sure, sure, you can I hate sure, you for your finance, sure. I can hate you for your car. Hate, but what happens, kind of like in England, right? When the when the government comes alongside the church or comes alongside race or, so when you marry power mm -hmm. to an idea, yeah. whether it's race, whether it's, you know, economic status, then, and then that power consolidates itself, power doesn't want to change. Like what's the biggest yeah. threat to public education is probably the status quo. It's like a giant cruise liner. How do you get it 
LA Unified is a monster because it's gigantic, and the person that leads that teachers union has a certain perspective that's different even from the pe person that leads my teachers union. But who's at the top of LA County? Ferreira, right? So my district, I know, wanted to have in person. My district, I know my superintendent wanted to get rid of Matt, wanted to, but if you have one person at the top that can make a decision for all right. the districts in LA County, when a ton of, we had a, there's an article in the paper, I think 30 something superintendents wrote a letter. This is a backdoor mask mandate to Ferreira. So you, we don't always see the conversations because the administrators can't have those public conversations right. on Twitter. Mm -hmm. They're in the back door going, Are you, you're killing me. My population doesn't want this. My population is conservative. My population is not as scared. But then the people in the top use those who are afraid. Yeah. But I'll tell you firsthand, I had people coming to me. This person came to me and is getting on my case for wearing a mask outside. This person's coming to you, they want to join the union or uh, they want to leave the union. This person, and so as you dig deeper into the weeds, you realize that this onion is a different onion than that onion. Mm -hmm. But if I'm involved, that's the part of the problem we have. Parents just want to, oftentimes, as a teacher from my perspective, drop your kid off, pick them up later. But the parents that are involved, asking the questions, sure. getting involved, like Makes anything else, yeah. they do better. Yeah. Well, even school board meetings. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to project that it's, it's, for us, it's difficult to go because they're going to be vilified, right? Who wants to be, who wants to publicly go out there and say the things that are, are certainly deep in, in our hearts? You, know, you better be can, prepared. It depends yeah. on the school board. Our right. school board is now but that's battling with our union. But that's the whole point, is that. And they're recruiting, right? So the, each, each school board, some of them are bankrolled by the union. Others have been replaced, and they're having this battle with, in, our, in case we're on the verge of a strike right now, because they're trying to deal with something. So the union has its set for health care and for a special ed change. So a group of people have recruited parents. Well, these aren't the parents. These aren't all the parents. These are parents that are supporting a certain union view. So, mm -hmm. so imagine you're a school board and you want to do right by your community. You've got a full room, 300 people, all trying to push for you to go this way. Mm -hmm. The amount of courage that's required for that person Stand up and tell because the they truth. can't tell the whole story. It's, it's an unfair negotiation at times because the, the union can share, and I'm not saying they're always wrong, but they can share with their the emails. This is, they, can, they, can, they can mold the narrative to fit negotiations. Good at that. And I have benefited many times. My, my salary is over six figures because they negotiate those things. But um, what about the other parents? What about the other communities? Sure. And how... How do we go in as a community and go, I'm here to support your school board? Because there are some boards that are just, they're standing there by themselves going, okay, it's just me. Mm -hmm. Others are keeping people out, right? Each board has its own flavor. Yeah. Then you have the DOJ. <laughs> well, that's a different issue. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Keep It Simple. We'll be right back with you today talking about education after these messages. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, Jesus said. And the rain fell, and the floods came, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Pastor Xavier Rees says, by allowing the Lord's wisdom to guide us in our relationships, decisions, and priorities, we find that he provides the most trustworthy foundation any life could be built upon. And that's why he's presenting a teaching series on the basic foundations for the Christian faith. In it, he explains the importance of the Word of God, the gifts of the Spirit, the function of prayer and worship, and so much more. 
The Basic Foundations for the Christian Faith is a 12-message series available on audio CD for $32 or an MP3 disc for just $10 in the online store of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. Look for the Basic Foundations for the Christian Faith series when you browse the online store at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. No other can save lost man, the rock of my salvation. Buddha can't save, your works can't save. Only Jesus Christ can save. Therefore, the only one who is able to be worshipped and should be worshipped is the Lord Jesus Christ. Check the online program guide for Pastor Xavier Reese's daily expositional studies here on Simple Truths Radio at calvarychapelpasadena.com. The Calvary Chapel Pasadena Bookstore is a full-service Christian bookstore offering Bibles, books, cards, gift ideas, audio messages from Pastor Xavier Reese, study guides, and more. We're located in Calvary Chapel Pasadena at 2200 East Colorado Boulevard. That's two blocks west of Sierra Madre Boulevard in Pasadena. We're open Tuesday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m., as well as after every midweek and Sunday service. We also have an online bookstore offering many items available for purchase at store.calvarychapelpasadena.com. Feel free to give us a call, 626-584-9992. That's 626-584-9992. Or visit calvarychapelpasadena.com for the Calvary Chapel Pasadena Bookstore, serving the community since 1995. Turn now to Keep It Simple and this week's discussion, Addressing Issues of Consequence for the Church, hosted by Pastor Xavier Reese of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. And you're back with us here today at Keep It Simple. Today we're spending some time talking about education and concern for the kids. And speaking about the kids, we have an event coming up. What, this coming Monday? 31st, right? October 31st. (laughs) Hallelujah night. Our our annual Hallelujah night. And uh, we expect, hopefully, a good turnout. It's from uh, 6 to 9 o'clock. We encourage uh, folks to just invite their family, their their friends. um, Just come on out and come out early. Uh, You want to make sure you find parking. Uh, But we have games. We we provide the candy. Uh, There's plenty of food. There's bouncers for the kids. But more importantly, there's... There's going to be a moment in the evening where we share the gospel. Amen. So please uh, make it a night where we take opportunity. We don't. We're not celebrating Halloween. We just use this as an opportunity just to re- uh, reach out the community. And it is a free event, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to charge. <laughs> yes, it's a free event. There's a, there's a taco truck that yeah, you, might, you might drop a couple of dollars there. Yeah. Yes. Hamburgers sure. might cost you a dollar too. Hot dogs. We have pozole. We have. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Yes, Cake walks. Yes. Fun. Uh, yes, yes. Safe. And we just yeah. had the nice same safe. taco truck on Sunday, didn't we? Yes, we did. They're great. So they'll they'll be back. But yeah. most important, it's going to be a safe space for kids oh, yeah. where they can come, enjoy yeah. themselves, Amen. and not worry. The Lord has really blessed us with with great security through the years of doing this event. Yeah. And we, those of you who are listening, pray that the Lord would just watch over us yeah. because certainly not by our efforts sure. that mm. these things proceed in good order. Right. And so we're hopeful. Yeah. Talking about schools, so we, we dabbled briefly, touched on the issue of race, and uh, unfortunately we're seeing that indoctrinated from a national level across the country. Uh, and, and I mean, it's, 
it, it, a lot of the things that uh, critical race theory pushes are almost true. Uh, they, they say, you know, the white people are intrinsically evil, and that's, that's true, but the re reality is You're all people, all people are intrinsically evil. But if I can make a comment, uh, yeah. I recently saw um, a debate in a lot of minorities on, on, on the stage, and very, it, just powerful for me because the majority were black people, mm -hmm. and their response was, no one has kept me back. Hmm. Here in America, I got up freely, I, got, I drove here freely, no one held me back from coming to the stage to, to speak my voice, to say the things I want to say. Amen. So this country, when they say it's intrinsically racist, they're wrong. And those are the things that you're seeing today. You know, you're not gonna see it on the media, you'll yeah. see it on social media, and even Why that's- Why won't you see it in the media? Well, again, we're talking about an agenda, right? We're talking right. about people who right. are in charge. Yeah. yeah. You know. When people when people in the media start talking about racism, they're trying to control the narrative to to yeah. divide yeah. and to actually bring power to themselves mm -hmm. in some way or another. Right. And right. the key to that to, to the title is theory. Yeah. It's not true. Yeah. No, it's not. Evolution. Yeah. Theory. Yeah. Not true. Yeah. Overpopulation. Theory. Not true. It's all a lie. Yeah. To manipulate people to shape and mold people to the direction they want to have the world that they want. Exactly. And so people, they want quacking ducks. They want control. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So we're seeing something in our public school situation today that 20 years ago, any of us would have thought, this is not a possibility, this is not a thing that can happen. And that really is a new wrinkle, the sexualization of children mm -hmm. as young as is humanly possible, kindergarten, preschool, yeah. This is really a thing taking place in America? Yeah. Well, and here's what's interesting. It depends on the district, depends on the school. It's the same thing I keep preaching. Get involved, ask questions. I used to have to teach in fourth grade HIV, and it was like mandated, but it was really simple. Like, you know, HIV used to be spread by transmission, uh, like um, blood transfusion, it's not. And then I would tell the parents ahead of time, um, close contact is the only way. Um, and then I would give them, if you want to opt out, that's great. That's now gone. So my district's gone a little bit more conservative. If you dig in and you look at the adopted curriculum and the resources that most districts are using, they're probably more traditional than you would expect. And if you see something, then say something, but it's, it's the spin, right? So each teacher is gonna have their own spin. How do you know the spin? Well, you need to be asking your child yeah. what's being said. Case in point, our kids were homeschooled, and then they went, they're going to a public high school now. Small public high school, project-based, really student-focused. And a new teacher comes in, and I keep hearing stories. Uh, he's talking about Trumpers. He's saying you know, certain race-related things. This great question, uh, what parts of the country are racist? So imagine you're asking a high school class. Right. Mm. And the kids say, oh, Florida and Texas. And he agrees. So my kids keep coming home and I'm, my blood pressure's going up, but I know he's a teacher, okay, so maybe he's just misled, what's going on? I'm ready to call the principal because two kids have already gone through. And one of my friends who teaches at a high school in San Jose says, why don't you have your kids talk to the teacher? I said, okay, that's not as so much fun, but okay. Matthew 15, isn't it? <laughs> right, give him a shot. So one of my kids goes in and he says, you know what, you, when you label certain populations this way without showing the other perspective, it makes me uncomfortable. And he shared, I'm a minority here. I'm a Christian, I'm a conservative. So I'm a minority at this school. So if you are 
concerned about minority viewpoints, then that has to apply. Here's the cool news. Thank you for telling me. Ask later. The, the teacher has changed the way he talks about things. He is sharing. He's giving an opportunity. He's not just saying, hey, who likes the Second Amendment? And my one son has to defend the Second Amendment with the rest of the class that doesn't. So it's interesting how if you get involved, you ask the questions, maybe you'll run into the wall, but maybe you'll actually convince a teacher to adjust their approach because maybe they didn't know. And I may have to do that again, yeah. but it was race-related. No, I, I wish, you know, we had a situation like that in our home where I, I forget all the details, but it had to do with my son. They were doing Zoom, and, you know, class was taking place. They put him in a, they put him in a spot, and... The rest of the of, of his classmates chimed in. Hmm. Teacher calls me later and says, "Hey," and I find out later, of course. And the teacher says, "Hey, I just want to reach out to you because you know a situation happened in class." When he controlled the whole narrative, mm -hmm. he drove it, and so he was concerned that Ryan was okay. And I said, "Well, you know, to be honest with you, we have we discussed those issues at dinner time. So what you're telling us is nothing new. My concern is how you drove the narrative in the classroom." And you're calling me out of concern, but I wish you would voice the same thing right. to all the kids and say, hey, you know what, this is, this is right, this is wrong, and address it that way. But you're calling me to see if I'm okay Yeah. when you should make, you know, make it public. Hey, everybody else, Ryan expressed a view. He is entitled to his view, right. but we didn't right. discuss that. And we're supposed to be objective. I'll, I'll tell you now, I got in trouble for talking about COVID. Okay? I started, this is, you should be careful, you shouldn't be, and then someone called me out. I have Christian Educators Insurance. I actually, the, the owner emailed me back. Here's the deal. Your employer can tell you what you can and can't say. So if you're going in there and you're saying you shouldn't be getting this vaccine or you should think about it twice, that's a politically sensitive topic. If your employer says don't talk about it, you can make your little stand. You can I thought, get a different job somewhere. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. So I'm like, mm, that's not what I wanted to hear, but sure. okay, I appreciate that. Sure. Mm -hmm. So that applies... If I'm talking about evolution, try to apply both sides. But we, if we're professionals, we should be able to hold each other accountable professionally. That teacher has an obligation. Now, we're not doing enough training. I'll tell you that right now because we're trying to survive. We're not being taught how to teach as well as we could. Some of us are a lot better than others, and we try to better ourselves. So how does a system like the DMV that's in charge of teaching your children get better it's just hodgepodge it just depends on where you are and if you can find a good combination and like you said it's yeah. consistently inconsistent yeah and yeah. you can survive with the lord through it right right and i think things are going to be different depending on where they're at yeah. but for the most part the system is broken mm -hmm. the system is rigged they are steering this battleship in a certain direction mm -hmm. right and you may have different scenarios and places that they make them work with and all that. And we understand that. But for the most part, it isn't. Now, again, as Christians, we understand that Satan's the God of this world and he wants destruction. Uh, we understand the Lord is coming back. Now, believer doesn't. They think you're crazy. Yeah. Okay? So we know that the only hope is Jesus Christ. Um, not every Christian is going to go to a Christian school. Because many Christian schools say they're Christian. They're not really Christian. They're Amen. not teaching Christian. Right. Depends on so the they're taking the money, but they're, they're as bad as secular schools. Yes. Okay? Um, um, many schools, many universities, uh, 
Fuller Seminary, APU, Biola, any of them, they become watered-down Christianity. You redefine Christ, you redefine the Word of God, you redefine a Christian, everything else. That's the nature of the closer we get to the Lord's coming. Um, we know that all this is going to culminate in the Antichrist once the church is removed. Yeah. So we're to be light. I mean, if you look at the day when Paul uh, was teaching and, and preaching, um, the Roman world was a real hostile world, uh -huh. very corrupt, very immoral. Um, so there was no First Amendment or, or anything else. Uh, and yet, you know, he didn't, he didn't shy from giving the truth. doesn't mean we don't force people to believe the gospel. All we can do is proclaim the gospel, and each has to make a decision. And as you said, when I'm hired by a, a corporation or a company, then they have their requirements. I need to conform to those requirements. Right. If I, by conscience and scripture, cannot heed that, then I need to get out and go somewhere else. But if I can work within it, um, they give me parameters which I can do a good job and be an influence, I want to do that. Amen. So each individual is going to have to make that decision. And you know what's neat about my, my district didn't require the vaccine, gave us options, paid for the testing. Um, I have two kids at University of California, and both of them were able to do religious exemptions. Amen. I really feel like, and like if someone just listened to you in the sanctuary, Xavier, they say public ed education is bad and leave it. That's not what you're saying. If you're abiding in Christ, he might say, you're going to that school. Like we, we homeschooled to eighth grade and then we did this public education for um, our kids in high school because we wanted them confronted with their beliefs and have to defend it. Good. My wife helps run a homeschool group where some people homeschool all the way through yeah. 12th grade and that's where the Lord has them. And honestly, some people shouldn't be homeschooling and it's not very many, but maybe they should be doing something else because there's always exceptions, right? Sure. Um, or the, the family that finds a private school. I know a family where a husband is helping um, in a certain way so his kids can go to a private Catholic school, but he's involved, right? Um, it's neat what God can do if you abide right. and you follow him. Sure. Yeah. But to your point, when you think of the sexualization of children yeah. Yeah. and where it's going. What are they yeah. trying to do? Yeah. My goodness. Uh, like, I, I just, you know, there's somebody out there, I won't, I'll just quote him, he said, you know, you want to go ahead and vote Democrat, then you'll make sure your kids are mutilated, you know, sexualized, pornography in the classroom, obviously not in all the districts, mm -hmm. but this idea, this agenda that's being driven, it's going, it's going to sink and cement in the minds of these kids, because yeah. that's, they're impressionable. Yeah. And once you do that, man, to undo that. You're not gonna, it's yeah. a work of the Lord. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and one of the challenges is sometimes people don't know what to say to stop it. We had a situation in the past where there was a counselor came out of college and was trying to help those of the LBQT community, mm -hmm. right? So she had put in certain stickers, and her job is to come in and bring kids in. And it came to the attention of some of us that she had certain stickers in. And I had a conversation with her. She sounded like she's trying to help kids. And we pointed it out to the principal, said, this is not appropriate. We have elementary school kids. And whether she agreed with it or not, the, um, that particular council, okay, that was removed, right? Mm -hmm. But how does that happen? You have to have Christians and traditional values, conservatives in there to see things, right. say things about it and say, no, you can't introduce that because our community, um, even if 
Because what that, that agenda tries to focus on that one person or that half percent that supposedly is marginalized. Right. Mm -hmm. When in fact, if everyone affirmed, it's still not going to change the conviction that the Spirit's putting on you. So it does happen. Mm -hmm. You don't know it. That's the thing. Lots of parents don't know. They're, you're not asking questions. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. But the agenda, though, it's, it's progressive again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, from the 1900s on. Um, when I went to school in the 60s, um, I, I'd get kicked out of school if my shirt was hanging out. Mm -hmm. Had to yeah. be tucked in, or your hair was over your ears. There was structure. Okay. Uh, once the 70s came in, everything, high school was yeah. destroyed Amen. completely. Um, but even then, the school could take a girl out of school and get her an abortion without telling her parents in the 70s. But she still needed a note if she wanted her ears pierced if she was under 18. Mm -hmm. Out of the 50 civilizations that were corrupted through sexuality, not one of them in history survived. Mm -hmm. Not one of them. And if we think that we will survive this evil of sexualizing children, the mutilating the children, what happened to the Nuremberg trials? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is what's going on. Mm -hmm. By the quote, quote, the world's being run not by elected officials, but by non-elected officials that are just wealthy mm -hmm. and have great power. And so as so Christians, we understand where it's going. We understand right. where it's coming from. But the heartache is the destruction of the children, giving children the position and the ability to make decisions that their children, right. they can't, they can't, comprehend and assimilate and accommodate in their mind the uh, the decision for an operation of whatever level sexually the uh, process the interruption of the natural maturity and development of the body and the mind the chemicals and all that and what it will do for them for the rest of their lives that are not reversible yeah. as they say and you restrict the parent you tie the hands of the parent even uh, uh, threatening with incarceration or legal process. Actually, Tony sent me a really good article on uh, uh, how they, they want to um, not inform parents about kids transitioning. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the whole perspective is if you involve parents in this communication, the, the kids are going to wind up killing themselves. Yes. Yeah. Without, mm -hmm. without any... Any facts? There's right. nothing. Right. It's just a statement. It. Mm -hmm. It's just like you know the COVID. Mm -hmm. Everybody isolate because it's so deadly. It's a lie. Nobody questioned. We trusted the science, mm -hmm. yeah. but it was science fiction. That's exactly what okay? it was. Okay, yeah. that's all it was. Amen. And and the same thing when they make statements like this. Mm -hmm. Children and uh, adults or even teens at the the suicide rate is high, is because of the non-truth of this world. Mm -hmm. Everybody lives in a make-believe world. Yeah. People are not living in a real world. In a real world, things are consistent. Gravity is always consistent. If you just drop something, it's going to fall to the ground. It never goes up unless you're in space. Okay? And when you alter good for evil and evil for good, when you punish the good, the patriot, the conservative, and you reward the evil, the destroyer, you implode society. You're going to have a problem. <laughs> Vladimir Putin, he made a comment about the West. He said, they're mutilating their children. They're sexualizing their children. 
you know, the, they're, they're dividing their, uh, their country with race, they're the great Satan. Hmm. Yeah. Hard to argue with that. Yeah. How yeah. do you argue that? What do you yeah. do when Putin tells the truth? Yeah, right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> right? <laughs> Scary. Yeah. Sad day. Yeah. You know, uh, there are numerous other issues that we could deal with. Uh, one of the things, unfortunately, we're dealing with uh, this past week, the uh, CDC mm. recommended that children be required to be vaccinated before going into Part of the vaccine uh, public schedule. school. For, mm -hmm. and, and they defend that idea, that decision, Pastor X. They say, well, we're just making a recommendation. <clears throat> Unfortunately, there are more than 20 states that tie their requirements to right. the recommendations right. of the CDC. Right. And we're going to see fallout from yeah. that. And again, they understand that. Yeah, they do. What they say, politicians, they talk and they sound nice, but they say nothing. And they don't mean what they say. It's the same rhetoric. Yeah. And so they understand when they make this general thing with an allowance that when it trickles down, the orders go down, the stand-down order. They know. The first stand-down order was Benghazi. Yeah. Ever since that day, there's been stand-down orders on every level of society. On every level. What is the rhetoric? Let's burn it all down. So we can rebuild it again. Yeah, build back. They want to remove Western society that it never existed. Hmm. But they won't build yeah. it better. No. Because they're evil. Yeah. And they're destroyers. But again, as Christians, we understand this. So we pray that God would open doors to be able to minister to them. But we cannot stop sharing the truth. Yes. We have to reveal the truth to people. And then once they do what they do with that truth is up to them but we can't be silent about it. Otherwise, we're complicit with the evil. You cannot be quiet about this, no matter what place you take in society in America. It is the greatest country in the world. You must speak out the truth. Absolutely. Amen. So, Amen. Maybe you're out there, you don't know Jesus Christ. Um, uh, the main thing is that he is the only hope. You know, as we're talking about this whole societal thing, the main goal of them is to make you hopeless to just crush people. They have no hope to live. Jesus is the one that gives you hope. Dying for your sins, tasting death for you, able to forgive you of all your sins and to make a new creature of you, to give you a new mind, a new spirit, a new nature, so that you can live life on a higher level than you ever have before. Never perfect, never sinless, but now you understand truth and error. You understand lies from truth. You understand objective truth from subjectivism. You understand that there is a normal, everyday laws that govern this world. And so you ask him in your heart, ask him to forgive you, to, you want him to be your Lord and Savior, and he'll do exactly that. And stand up and be that life for others. So keep it simple. God bless you guys. You've been listening to Keep It Simple with your host, Pastor Xavier Reese on Simple Truths Radio. We hope today's broadcast has informed, encouraged, and challenged you in your own personal walk with Christ. For more information regarding Simple Truths Radio Ministries or Calvary Chapel Pasadena, please visit calvarychapelpasadena.com. We hope you'll be back for our next discussion and may God richly bless your day.